Hey, can we just give some encouragement for that worship team? Come on, let's give it up. It's not an easy job and they, they absolutely smashed it. And I can tell you, it's so encouraging seeing some fresh faces up there, seeing some more people stepping outside of the comfort zone, serving God with their gifts. It's incredible. Okay, tonight, so... We are in the last one of the series, as Nicole said, we're flex, but okay. And we've been looking at those so-called weird flexes that Jesus made in the New Testament, in his ministry, in the Gospels, where he would come up against people like the Pharisees. And we've been looking into his responses to them, which at the time might have seemed really weird and really outrageous, but we can actually put that and break it down and put it into our lives. So, first thing, have you ever been falsely accused of something? That sounds so serious, but like, it can be, have you ever been blamed for something you didn't do? Right, basically, has anyone got a sibling? You know what I mean, that's, that's standard. Uh, but, and there's those people in school, whenever you blame for anything in school, it's never your fault, is it? No? It's always like, no, it, oh, it wasn't me, no. That's just, I went to a boys' school, so that's the voices I hear, but like, it's never my fault, that kind of thing. And when it actually isn't your fault, it's kind of like the boy cry wolf situation. You don't really have a leg to stand on to say, no, this, this one actually wasn't my fault. You know, teachers never seem to believe you. Could I have 20 minutes on the clock, please, fellas at the back, just whilst I remember? 20 whole minutes of good stuff. Okay, so for me, I have a couple, couple of stories about this, right? One of them is, who's been on a skate before? A lot of people here have been to escape. If you don't know what it is, it's our youth weekend away and we go away for a weekend as youth and that's what we do, all right? And we experience Jesus and we grow in our faith and we bond together and it's wicked, all right? But when I was like 12, so like some of your guys' age, just a little, a little mino, I was um, going to escape and basically pranks were huge and I'm not trying to encourage pranks because it's pretty stressful if you're a leader, but pranks were massive back then. People would like cling film people's doors so when you like walk in you like hit that some people will cling film people's toilets so when you use the toilet it doesn't go in the bowl it just stays it's pretty nasty isn't it I wasn't planning on including that I don't know why I did but anyway <laughs> but basically right this is what happened we all had our, our dorms and I was like we were like the 12 and 13 year old boys dorm okay come down to the meeting and it's uproar, it's chaos, it's kicking off, people are all around blaming all people. I come in and we're like, what's going on? Just some little lads, right? What had happened was itching powder had been put in everyone's bed, like covered, right? Everyone was so angry and there was two dorms that were left, like that didn't have any itching powder, okay? Ours was one of them and the other one was like the very oldest girl leaders, okay? Like the most least suspecting people, right? <laughs> basically right they stitched us up okay because we genuinely didn't do it but of course they framed us right so these older girls no one would suspect them they're down there like oh what's going on oh like they, they were like playing it off as if like we just wouldn't dare to do it to their room kind of thing right and I had like people like picking us up by the, by the shirt like why did you do that like really genuinely angry and we were like what the heck we don't know what's going on we've genuinely been framed Right, and all this time I was falsely accused and I couldn't plead my case enough. I was so vocal, like we all were. We were like, we didn't do anything. Like freaking out and nobody believed us. And we got the blame for that until at the end of the weekend. Actually, the girl who did it whispered to me and said she did it. I was like, she even told me. And they were like, yeah, right. Right, and at the end of the weekend she came clean and we all laughed about it. And now it's a great story for a preach. But that was genuine and that was true. 
Um, yes, hilarious. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for that support, bro. But um, yeah, that's, that's a great example of it. Or here's another little petty one. When I was in primary school, right, I think it was year three, we had this teacher called Mr. Jones, and he's from Burnley. Sorry, proper talk like that. Okay, <laughs> basically, this, just me and my mate, we were just like in a bit of a giddy mood, year three, maths, and he goes, everyone have trays in primary school, like where you pour your reading books and that, and he's like, right, if you can go to your tray, and then my mate, he turned, he turned around, my mate went, tray, like that to me, and I burst out laughing, and of course, I got the blame, right? My friend's fine, I'm like, no, it wasn't me. And he's like, sent me, we used to get sent to the wall, we used to have to go and face the wall and just stand next to the wall. And I never got told off when I was a kid, so I was like freaking out. Also, my mum worked at school. So he, and so get this, right? He, he went, let's go stand by the wall. I was like, oh. And I was like looking at like Hadrian's walls, like display on the wall, just like, what, what am I gonna do? And he went, wait till your mum hears about this. And I was like, oh. So I did what any good kid, respectable kid would do, cried my eyes out. And so, basically taking the attention off me and I wouldn't get told off, but I cried because I was not happy with that. But that's another example of being falsely accused. Okay, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have some stories about that, but how would you respond if someone falsely accused you of something? Or how do you respond? And I suppose the question is leading into what we're talking about tonight, which is that God is our defender and he wants to fight our battles for us so we don't have to. He, yeah, exactly. He, um, I guess the question is rather not how, do you, how would you respond, but how do you respond? Because we all get accused for stuff we haven't done. It's just part of life, right? People get stuff wrong, okay? But how do we respond, okay? We're gonna look at two pieces of text today, so you have to come with me on this one. First one is in Matthew 27, verse 11. Now, the key parts are gonna be on screen. Again, no punctuation. The font's a demo. Don't freak out. I do do grammar, Okay. Like, I wasn't thinking about that at all. Okay, so I'm gonna read it. You guys listen up. So this is Jesus before Pilate, okay? Pilate's the guy who's deciding what's gonna happen with Jesus. Is he gonna die? Is he gonna go free? He's the guy responsible for making this decision, okay? So here we go. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer, no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony that they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, not to a single accusation made against him. To the great amazement of the governor. Now the governor's custom at at feast was to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. So this is what they did. They released one prisoner, okay? And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Don't know if you heard of the guy. Not a good guy, okay? Believed he was a murderer. He was like a rebel in the town. He was not seen as a good guy by the world's view, okay? So Pilate's like, which one do you want me to release? I'm sure you've all heard this story, but which one do you want me to release? Obviously, the obvious answer is Jesus because he's done nothing wrong. But the crowd shout Barabbas. And it's like crazy. Pilate just can't, can't get his head around this. And he starts to feel a bit, a bit like, what do you call it? Like, there's a bit of a battle going on within him, within Pilate. And he knows his wife had said to him, don't, don't be involved with that guy. Okay, just to wrap this one up, it says, 
But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd. So these guys are in the crowd, infiltrating them, telling you, hey, shout for Barabbas. Don't shout for Jesus. Shout for Barabbas to be free. Everyone's convinced by these upstanding citizens. So they shout that they want Barabbas free. And then Pilate says, well, what shall I do with Jesus then, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? He hasn't committed any crime, Pilate said. And they all just shouted louder, crucify him. It gives me chills reading that, like just to think about being in that situation, like knowing what we know now about Jesus, like, oh, that just gives me, it really does give me the chills. So Jesus could have fought that battle, couldn't he? He could have said, no, I've not done anything wrong. What would we do in that situation? We'd be like me in school, like, no, I didn't, I didn't say that. Or like, we'll be like me at, at escape, like, no, it wasn't us. We didn't do the itching powder. Please, you've got to believe me. I don't deserve this punishment. Jesus was silent when they were accusing him. He stayed quiet. And we ask why. Well, he'd already given that battle to God. He'd already, in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the Last Supper with his, with his mates, with his disciples, he knew what was going to happen. He knew it was the will of God. And he, he had a little wrestle with it. He said, God, if there's, if there's another way, let it be. But he knew this was God's plan. And so Jesus recognized his position was to be one of humble surrender, obedience. And God will fight the battle. And we all know that on the third day he rose in victory and God brought salvation for us all, which is incredible. Isn't it? Thank you. I agree. So the second piece of scripture is a story I'm going to sift through in Second Chronicles and it's verse, we're all over there, but Second Chronicles and chapter 20, okay? So basically, I'll, I'll paraphrase it in my own way. So if it's not quite right, don't blame me, okay? Well, you can blame me, but little disclaimer, right? So it's basically, the way I perceive it is a 300 situation. Like you probably shouldn't have seen the film 300 because it's probably a bit old, but the story is that there's 300 troops and they're outnumbered impossibly, okay? And they're fighting and they've got to, that's all they've got to do. Right? So these people, the people of Jerusalem, led by a dude, King Jehoshaphat, pretty cool name. Um, they are seriously outnumbered. And actually three armies are like getting together to defeat them, all right? So they're outnumbered on every side, okay? So we're gonna pick it up in, in verse 15. Um, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because, because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but is God's. Tomorrow, march down against them, and they will be climbing up at the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. That's important. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. It's pretty bold stuff, pretty powerful stuff. You say, well, I know you're outnumbered. Go anyway, okay? That's where we're at right now. We skip forward to verse 20. Early in the morning, the morning of the battle, they left for the desert of Tekoa, is how I'm pronouncing it. They set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, speaking to all of this nation, all of this army, listen to me, Judah, 
and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who were the three armies that have come together. The Lord set ambushes against them who were invading Judah and they were defeated. And basically after that, what happens is they all start turning on each other and like it says, they annihilate each other, which is a pretty crazy word. But basically the deal is done. Like God came through. So there's two parallels with these and we're gonna just dig into that a little bit. And I'm not actually gonna speak for too much longer, to be honest, we'll have some time to respond, but those key phrases, do not be afraid or discouraged for the battle is not yours, it's God's. You will not have to fight, but what you do have to do is take your position and stand firm and see God come through, see him bring salvation in that battle. And then it's great, a little bit I wanna focus on. So the, the main point of my, my talk is what I've said before is God is our defender. We're gonna have that slide up there. Just that banner behind me, God is our defender. And he wants to fight for us. So tonight I wanna to apply this to our lives and like I want us to go away, go into summer even and think like, how am I gonna apply this, okay? Don't want this to just be a thought and a cool thing that we took from the Bible. Oh, that was a nice story and it stays in this book. This book is real and it's for us and it's for our lives and it's for us to take into our lives and it's for us to change other people's lives with. You with me? Awesome. So God is our defender. That's his position. He defends us. He fights for us. That's what he does. What we do is what those guys were doing in Jerusalem, the people of that Jerusalem, sorry. They fall in surrender, they worship, they praise him and they believe that he will come through and then he goes and does it because that's who he is. He is faithful. So Jesus knew it. Going into that trial, he knew that God was gonna fight for him. Even though he might go into death itself, he knew God would have the victory because that's what, that's what God told him. And when God tells us something, he will come through on that. Okay, because he doesn't want to lie to us. He doesn't want to string us along. He wants us to prosper and he wants us to have life. So don't, don't doubt what God's saying to us. And this, what we're going through tonight is what God's saying to us right now. He wants to fight for you. Okay, so Jesus knew it. Jehoshaphat knew it. And yet we tend to get tempted to fight our own battles. Anyone agree with that? Like you need to think about what the battles are in your life. Like for me, when I'm thinking about the stuff I'm faced with and I'm trying to be a better boyfriend, a better friend, a better youth leader, when I'm trying to work on my weaknesses, those are tough times for me sometimes. Those are battles and that's stuff that we all go through. But when I'm like picking up my own weapons and I'm fighting those things and I'm trying to be better just through my strength and the knowledge that I know and, and the experiences I have, the harder the battle gets and the more hits I start to take. And then the worse I become at being a good friend, at being a good boyfriend, at being a good youth leader, because I'm trying to do it on my own. I've got my weapons in my hand and I'm taking, I'm taking hits, but that's not my role. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what I do. I'm not, I'm not a person that needs to fight. 
I'm a person that needs to surrender to God and say, you do the fighting, I'll do the believing, and I'll do the praising. I'll praise you before it's happened because I know it's gonna happen, and when it happens, I'll praise you because of that. Boys, if I could just have your attention for just like another five minutes, that'd be great, cheers. And so there's nothing wrong with trying to be better at those things. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, you shouldn't try because God wants to do it all for you. That's not what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with trying to be better at school. There's nothing wrong with trying to be better at home or better friends or whatever it is. But when we fight so hard and we're gripping onto our weapons, our tools that we think is the key, we lose sight of, of God, don't we? When we're so focused on our own stuff and we're so focused on making it happen and like getting a good job or getting good exam results and studying so hard, nothing wrong with that. But when that starts to cloud our view of God, of the heavenly father, of the one who is in control of the future, that's when we start to take hits in these battles. So when we forget our position, we need to take our position that is in surrender through prayer and worship. It can be easy to be focused on the problem so much that we're distracted from the solution, you know? It can be easy to focus on the enemy, the opposition who's coming at us, this battle that's in our face right now. I'm overwhelmed, I can't see past it. And we forget what our job is. Our job isn't to worry about that. Our job isn't to get stressed out about that. Our job is to lay down our weapons, hit our knees, lift our hands. Praise God for what he's gonna do. Praise God for who he is. And so that's what I encourage you to do tonight. We're gonna have a bit of time now when we'll do that. I wanna encourage you to drop those weapons. Stop fighting, because we're fighting a losing battle. If we're fighting our own battles, it's a losing battle. I wanna encourage you to hit your knees, focus on God alone, and you'll see God come through on your behalf. He's done it multiple times in here. He'll do it again. He is faithful, that's what he does. So we're gonna put a song on and just when the song comes on guys, if we can have the lights down really, really low so it's kind of black in here. Um, I wanna encourage you guys to just find a space, not just yet, give me a sec. Well yeah, you can turn, never mind, okay. <laughs> I want you guys to find a space, I don't want you to go like miles away, keep it in this area. Leaders, if we're gonna just maybe just make it a bit wider or whatever, find a space. I wanna encourage you, whatever it means for you, to put yourself in a position of surrender right now. Think of the battles that you're facing. School might have been finished, but you know when it comes back around again, there's a battle you're gonna be facing on that first day. You might have lost a friend. You know you might be holding grudges with somebody, there might be unforgiveness there. You might be just a struggle of resisting sin. Yeah, you might be struggling with school, with bullying, you don't wanna face it when you go back and actually, because it's summer holidays, like everyone's like, yeah, summer holidays, but you're like, I literally don't think I could have gone another day. <clears throat> Broken relationships, problems at home, all these things, whatever your battle is, get it in your head right now. Get it here, and that's the last time it's gonna be here, okay? Because what we're gonna do, I'm gonna put a song on, we're gonna get in a place, on our knees, sit down on the ground, stand up, praise, do what you gotta do, we're gonna take those battles off our shoulders. We're gonna give them to God and we're gonna say, I trust that you will fight for me, okay?
It's not our job to fight. It's our job to hit our knees, surrender him and worship him. You ever heard that phrase, worship is our warfare? Fighting the battles, that's what God does. Worship him, that's what we do, okay? Simple as that. That's what we're gonna do right now. So just find your own space real quick. We're gonna put a song on that we sang this morning. Uh, and it literally is, it's called Raise a Hallelujah. The lyrics will be on screen if you wanna look at that. But I wanna encourage you to find that place with God, okay? If it's worship you need to do, do that. If it's prayer you need, get a leader, get someone you trust and get a leader involved. So it's called Raise a Hallelujah and it's literally raising a hallelujah, which means praising God in the face of battle and seeing God come through the other side. Okay, so find your own space right now. You can even turn the stage lights off, guys, if you can. And um, you can play the song. Find your own space, guys, come on. Let's let God move. We might just let the song keep playing. I believe God's really gonna speak right now. He's really gonna move. Come on.